Good evening and Merry Christmas to you from uh, the Creases, especially the ones from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Uh, it's a beautiful ride in this morning and uh, it's always good to be uh, with our brothers and sisters here at Jacksonburg or what I like to call home. Uh, one of the great things about uh, being a preacher and having a mama is she's always got a special guest speaker in mind. Uh, and it's usually me, but uh, that's always nice because it would be really bad if your mom, uh, if your mom didn't think you were her favorite speaker. So uh, that's at least I've got that going for me. At least I think I haven't asked her, but I'm just going to assume for our time together. Uh, if you would, let's turn to Psalm 72, uh, and then we'll spend most of our time actually uh, in Matthew chapter 25. But a couple of things that we want to point out here at uh, Riverside Church of Christ, where I. Uh, preach on Sunday mornings. Uh, we've been studying the book of the Psalms, and it's been eye-opening to me. I've always enjoyed when I read the Psalms, but I've not really ever been intentional about reading the Psalms. And uh, over the last few years, I've covered all of the prophets and the Psalms, and I really have tried to do things, uh, I don't know if necessarily in chronological order, but kind of let the text set the series. Not that there's anything wrong with coming up with a series of lessons to go with a, a topic or an issue or things facing the church, but it's really been neat to kind of let the scriptures kind of direct that thought of what we're going to talk about. And so we've been doing that at Riverside, and I encourage you to read Psalm 1 and 2 when you get an opportunity on your own time, as it is basically an outline for the major themes of Psalms. Uh, and the major themes of Psalms are temple, Torah, Messiah, or king, and kingdom. And those things show up over and over again. The Psalms are actually can be divided into several sections. The first section, Psalm 1 and 2, introduces the book. And then you have David writing about uh, wanting to be in the presence of God, this deep desire that he had. Uh, the temple is built, it's destroyed, so then you have a section of we want to be in the presence of God again. And then, of course, they go into exile and they, guess what, want to be in the presence of God again. Something that is a theme throughout Scripture. And then, of course, as you've heard for several months now, that this Jesus came and dwelt among us. And so his presence came to us. And it might be sometimes I kind of sit back and go, man, how in the world did they miss it? How did they miss it so badly? You know, if you think about... Uh, in baseball, sometimes, you know, we give, they can give away, the pitcher gives away the pitch. If I was batting, they could tell me what they were going to throw, and there's no way I'm going to hit it. I'm going to miss it if I even get a chance to swing. But man, it just seems like they swung and they missed hard. And it's like, how? How could you do that? We've got all these texts that tell us about the coming Messiah. The, the greatest desire in a Jewish mind was to be in the presence of God. David himself said how jealous he was of the birds that could fly in and out of the Holy of Holies and not lose their life. Or the doorman. I'd rather be the doorman in the temple of God than to sit on the throne. Think about that. That's pretty wild. But that's how much he desired to be in the presence of God. So I want to start by reading Psalm 72 in its entirety. Uh, this will be in the English Standard Version. Uh, Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people. 
and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of coastlands and render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun May people be blessed in him, and all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And so you may have thought and went through there and maybe held on to some of the themes of the Psalms and really the themes of the Bible, the temple, Torah, Messiah, king, kingdom, and you see here in, in chapter 1 of Luke, 32 through 33, and chapters 2 and verse 11, it talks about this son that's going to be born, and he will be a savior. He will be the Messiah. He will be the Lord. And here's some of these names that bear out. And there are a lot of people, and, and I love the fact that the world pauses at this time of year and thinks at least a little bit about the things that we live out every single day. And rather than ignore those, we should take every opportunity to go, hey, this is great, we're glad that you're looking, but let Him be the Lord of your life all the time and see the wonderful, amazing blessings that pour forth from that. And so we take that opportunity and we say, we don't need to miss it. They missed it. So many of them missed it. We go, oh, how in the world did you miss all the signs that pointed that this is the Messiah? But what do we turn and do? We do the same thing. We get busy. We have some of the very same things that kept them busy, kept at the forefront of their minds. All these things that really, in the long run, we have very little control over and have very little impact over or influence what can little old Travis Creasy do in Fayetteville, Tennessee? Well, the beauty of it is Scripture shows us that it's actually very practical, the things that we can do and impact people the way the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has called us to do. How can we look at this little child that was born in a chaotic situation, a little child who was denied access into a regular place, I was born in a really nice hospital with probably all the amenities that could be afforded me. And I will never have the impact that Jesus had. You see, a lot of people allow circumstance to determine their impact. And that's a ridiculous excuse. And that's what it is. 
It's a victim mentality. God never came to earth so that we could walk around looking at our feet being victims. He came to give us the victory. A victory that is not bound by circumstances, whether it be a little manger in the city of David or a little town, little area right outside of Florence, Alabama. That we can have impact and know Isaiah 9, 6 says that He will be a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now this is not the peace that we think of sometimes where we just want to get away. Sometimes it is. But I would be willing to guess. I've never been in the room when uh, a birth was being uh, given. Uh, But I would imagine those of you that have experienced that, it's not necessarily peaceful in the way that we think of peace. It's actually very chaotic. But that's what he's saying. Is that I've come to give you a deal, a peace that's not impacted or ended by circumstance. That it's in the circumstance, in the midst of the storm, where that peace is the most profound. Because how many of us, it's always peaceful where we are, right? I bring the circus wherever I go, right? If I'm waiting for the circumstances to dictate my peace, that's never going to happen, okay? It's not going to I have to make it happen, right? I have to put some effort into it. Well, Jesus comes and says, I'm going to give you peace in the midst of the chaos. That's the difference. That's the impact. When things are going crazy in your life and you still trust in the Prince of Peace, it's so that in those moments when people go, man, where do you get that from? And where can I get some? It gets really easy. Well, I know where you can go. It's not even really going anywhere. He's come to dwell with you. He's come to bring peace to you. Psalm 72, 11, we read that every king, every nation, Paul puts it this way, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That means every person you talk to, whether it's here at Jacksonburg or when you visit another church, or if you go to Walmart tonight, or Dollar General, don't go to Walmart tonight because you'll be out of luck. But anywhere you go, those people one day will believe. It's just we want them to do it now. Why wait? You can get all the blessings now, or not all of them because there's some to come, but you'll get some wonderful rewards now that will pale even comparison to what is to come, as Paul says in Romans 8. And so how did they miss it? How did they miss it? I think it's revealed in, in what Jesus says, what David or Solomon says here in chapter 72, verses 1 through 2. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. And we find where Jesus makes it really practical and really simple. Really simple. And it may be where we look at it and we go, man, that's just too simple. And I think that's what our response is sometimes. It's like, it's so simple, we don't even really know what to do with it. Fellas, you ever tried to put something together and you thought it was one way? I know that I have where it felt like it was, oh, there's 25 steps to this. And then somebody comes in and they do it in two. And you're like, man, I was really overthinking that. I had the plan in my head and it did not work, especially for us, us non-engineer people. And I think that sometimes we do that to the gospel. And Jesus comes along and He's like, you know, do you not understand? 
Think about being a lawyer of the word, a scribe of the word, a Pharisee, and this guy comes along, this, this, this unknown really person, and he goes, do you not understand? Don't, don't you have the text? Don't you know the text like in multiple languages? How could you miss this, right? And then Jesus comes along and he goes to his disciples, uneducated, untrained men, as Acts says, and he just cuts to the chase. And he does that in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. We see who's speaking here, what this is about. And he says there in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. You see, a manger is not so bad. There are a lot of things that I can put up with if I know the outcome is what I want. Right, men? Right? Don't, you don't have to say amen, but I know you're thinking it, right? There are a lot of things that as a husband, man, I can kind of deal with this because I know the outcome. I know the final reward is out there and I can do this. Ladies, you're the same way, right? There, there are a lot of things that you deal with with us men. And you're like, I can just deal with this if I can get to what I really want, right? If you got any kids, you know, you, you go through all the ripping up of the thing, picking up all the trash so that maybe there's this nap, Time at some point that maybe we might get there and I can close my eyes for 15 minutes and it's all worth it. Or maybe it's coffee, right? Like, man, I can get through this more if I can get to that coffee pot, whatever it is. And here he says, he goes, Jesus could handle being in a manger. Jesus could put up. Do you think Jesus got frustrated with people? And I'm saying, I'm outside of the Pharisees. If you've never read the book of Mark, let me challenge you. I've preached on that here before. There's plenty of frustration. There's plenty of where Jesus is like, you know, how long, O oh Lord, right? How long must I stay with these people, right? The stiff-necked, those words that are used that describes us so eloquently, right? It's just me. I see myself in those words. And the Son of Man comes in it from His glorious throne. His glorious throne. Have you ever thought about how God has every reason in the world not to have anything to do with us. He knows all the terrible things we've done, the terrible thoughts that we've had that nobody else knows about. And rather than using that as a reason to, well, tough luck, kid. Enjoy that mess you've made. He says, no, I want to step into the middle of your chaos, deserved or not. And I want to walk along with you so that not only will I have a glorious throne, but that you'll be there too. And you can enjoy all those things. He doesn't use it to separate himself from us. He uses it to draw us to him. I don't know about you, but tonight that's awesome. So from his glorious throne, the Son of Man, verse 34, then the King. I want you to notice that capital K. Then the King. The King. I think about these small nations out there. And they may have a king. And I may be more wealthy than that king. It's not like that king. It's not like different kings, sovereign king, you know. There's only one true sovereign king, and that's Jesus. There's nothing anybody can say today that changes who's sitting at the right hand of God. No matter what you believe, no matter what you say, it's not changing that. No matter rules and laws and things that you pass, it's not going to change who sits on the throne. He is the king. Then the king will say what? Verse 34. To those on his right, come you who are blessed, my 
by my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Remember those themes in Psalms? He just touched all the bases. The king who can give you your deepest desires will tell you to come to him. Think about that. Wouldn't that be enough for Jesus? Just come. I want you to be with me. I want you to be where I am. But he always takes it a step further, right? He, come, I want you to be in my presence so that you can blessed that the inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, welcome you, naked, clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, the king, the sovereign king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now I want you to look at the juxtaposition. That's a big word from Bale, Tennessee. All right. The comparison. The son of man. What had the Jews looked forward to for hundreds of years? The Son of Man, the King, all the way back, way on back. You can go past Psalm, the King. And what is it all about? The least. The least. It's all about the least. Jesus became the least, right? I don't believe today is the actual birthday of Jesus. I don't think we know that. But we can all think about that and envision that and go, wow. There is not a more vulnerable position to be in as a human being than as a baby. And Jesus said it's worth becoming that for you. Fill in your name in the blank. Right? It's worth to be vulnerable in a manger, to be denied access so that Travis Creasy might come to a knowledge of who I am and want to be with me at least a little bit as much as I want to be with him. The King, the Son of Man, the least. You want to come into my presence. You want to be around my glorious throne. I want you to be. Jesus wants you to be there, but he says it takes caring for who? The least. And it takes acknowledging that without Jesus, I'm the least. I am poor. I am wretched. I am naked. I am without anything. And folks, you can look at me. You can go to my house. You can go to my mama's house right now. And there are stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff that we won't even remember who gave them to us. Because we have so much stuff. And that is how they missed it. They looked around at all the things they had or flipped it over all the things they didn't have. And instead of looking for that Messiah, they shook their fist at the one who could give it to them. The real blessing. So what is it about? I told you I was going to oversimplify it for you, but I feel like I'm doing just what Jesus did. You think in Matthew 25, and maybe He did. Maybe He gathered His disciples up and He taught them doctrine. Maybe He had... How many ever we got? How many we got? I don't know what a number is. And maybe he went through that and then he went, but the judgment comes down to what? 
how you treat people. Maybe he did. We don't have that recorded. But Matthew 25, what is recorded by Matthew, the tax collector, a probably a pretty good list keeper. I'll just throw that out there. They were pretty good at keeping a list of names and who owed them what. And in Matthew 25, he writes, here is the difference between those who go to heaven and those who do not. And it is simply, what did you do with the least of these? See, Jesus in Luke, the main theme there is, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. And the key to that is, and I often talk about it this way, is I've been sick before. I've been bad sick before. Y'all know that. But as a man, what's my response to being sick? I'll just get over it. I'm not that sick. There's no need to go to a doctor, right? But to get treatment, you have to know that you need it. And you see, Jesus came to a world filled. Every human being you ever come in contact needed Jesus more than they needed their next breath. But the difference is, is did they know it? Jesus became the least so that we would open our eyes to the fact that we are the least. I don't have anything over anybody else other than what that I have a knowledge. And in comparison to all he's done, a very small working knowledge of how awesome God is and what he's done in my life. And the beauty of that is, is we don't have to know everything. We just have to know enough and have a hunger to know more of who Jesus is. The Lord walks around us all day. And I'll be the first to admit that sometimes, and most of the time, I miss it. So my question, how could they miss it, is answered pretty quickly. Because they didn't understand that they were the least. How do I miss it every day? even to my own kids and my wife, is that a lot of times I don't have this recollection, this understanding of I am the least. And yet God continues to give over and over and over again. I want to read a little bit of a passage from a book I read recently. I I love A Christmas Carol. I I just love it. I watch it in every version I can get. There's a Jim Carrey version. There's a Mickey Mouse, which is excellent. It's short, like 26 minutes, which works for my kids. And and I love it. And there's a little passage there, a little part from that book. And it's talking, it's Scrooge and Jacob Marley, when Jacob Marley comes back. Uh, But you were always a good man of business, Jacob, faltered Scrooge, who now began to apply this to himself. Business cried the ghost, wringing its hands again. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Satan loves nothing more than to get us wrapped up in everything that doesn't matter. When Jesus... God, the Spirit, the Word of God tells us it's the least that are the most important. It's the first that will be last, and the last will be first. Finally, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, he says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, those who ignored the least, but the righteous into eternal life. 
I love the truth of God. I love even the rules that the world looks at and goes, oh, that's burdensome. I'm not going to do those things. I love to study. I'm a Bible nerd. I love to parse all the little pieces of Hebrew. And I mess up the Greek all the time, but it's so much fun. And I know that you love the truth and you want to stand up for the truth. But the prophets tell us and most of Scripture says that you can get all the minute details and if you mistreat the least, then you've missed it. So this evening as we wrap up our time together, we all have a role in that, right? Where we can walk away having learned something and maybe it was just a good reminder that Hey, I'm the least. Without a God who created me and breathed air into my lungs and and allows me to walk around and talk about how awesome He is and how frustrating it can be because I'm I'm tongue-tied by my redneck (laughs) or, or my inability to communicate it in a way that really accurately shows who He is and yet He loves it. And He allows me opportunities to learn and be better at that. Or maybe you're outside of Jesus this evening. I can't plead with you enough to come to an understanding that without Him, you are lost. And I'm not just saying from an eternal standpoint, but you're missing out on the greatest life there is to live because of a little baby that grew up into a King of kings and Lord of lords who was all that to begin with and will always be. And there's nothing that we can say or do that will change it, but there's nothing more that He wants than you. Just as I am, you. And it seems like I can't give enough to Him. And I can't, but the thing is, is the things that He wants in return are the least of these. It's the least we can do. And so that opens up the life that we have to live to this great, amazing stuff that we get to do. Like a symbol on Christmas Day and sing about the truth that we know. So if there's some way that we can help you, we would love the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus tonight. That's what we live for. That's what we want to be. And as we sing this song, that's exactly what it is. It's a song of encouragement to encourage you wherever you are in your life to surrender a little more to Jesus today than you did yesterday and and to trust Him more. So if there's something we can do, we would love to do that as we stand and sing.